warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our programme. Real Britannia, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here with me, my dear friend Stephen. Hello, sir. Hello, Matt. How's it going? It's all very well. It's uh, We're catching up. You know, we had this yes. backlog of episodes. I think we're finally sort of not chasing our tail so much at the moment. We are... Well, re- sorry, yeah, well, I was going to say, we're recording today. It's the 26th of January. Let's take predictions as to when this is going to come out. <laughs> I'm reckoning March for this. I think we we I think we are within a chance of getting this out before Easter. Yeah, because we we sort of plans for Easter are already yes. underway. Well, plans for Easter were in place last Easter, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's let's reveal what it is because it's yes. it's 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 set at Easter, but you wouldn't class it as an Easter movie. I think it's obvious. I think it's an obvious choice. To, to I do as well. I think it's a, a, a stroke of, of genius, even though it wasn't my idea. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is actually probably, if you were to hold a gun to my head, which is quite apt for what we're talking about in a second, um, it might be a top five, top ten movie for me, especially if it's based on the amount of times I've watched it. It's The Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's... No sense at all for, you know, to argue against um, it being held so highly in, in regard. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's, it's one that I watch every year, pretty much, fairly often. It's one that I'm quite familiar with. Unlike today's movie, which was a first-time watch... See, yes. that, see that seamless, the way this is all flowing today. This is <laughs> It's almost like you've done this before. It's almost a bit of, you know, yeah. Um you're familiar with this. You've seen today's movie more than once. I have seen this, um, yeah, it, not quite into double figures, but it's probably edging close really? to it. Really? That many? Um, yeah, I saw it at the cinema when it came out, and then uh, um, I've owned it on DVD, and actually when I went to Kim, Kim to watch it, um, I realised I'd lent the DVD out to somebody. I've got no idea who. Oh. Um, but... Um, but yeah, because you know, I bought it in order to to spread the word of it, as it were. <laughs> um, but yes, I've seen it several times at least um, over the years. Over the last, well, it's only been the last ten years. It's only ten so, years old. Yeah. Um, so yes, I've probably watched it more or less once a year. Um, so yes, it's much much more familiar to me in that sense than it, it was to you as a as a, as you're a virgin, bruv. Yes. Um, as they say, it's close towards the end of the film. Yeah, not done this before. So it's so, safe to say it's a favourite then if you've watched it that many times. Yeah, I think, I'm. you know, it, it's quite... 
I think I don't think there's any doubt over the fact that I'm going to be um, giving this a, a positive review. You're more in question because it's the first time you've watched yeah. it, so we don't know, do we? But me, yes, I, will, I think the fact that I suggested it in the first place, and then how often I've watched it in ten years um, would it's good imply I like it. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't guessed, it's Four Lions from 2010. Yes, 2010. Directed, produced, written by Chris Morris. Let's play the trailer, and we'll be back after this. Two, three, action. Hey, you don't believe in kafar bastards. I'm going to turn no, you baby. No, no, What? What's with the gun? Proper replica, man. It's too small, man. Not too small, brother. Big hands. The way to stop the feds tracking you is very simple. You eat your SIM card. Can I cook, man? A total idiot, so I can't even get them to stir the tea without smashing a window. My plan is, though, to put a bomb on a crow. We're way beyond crows now, Fessy. Answered the call, bro. Training camp, Pakistan. <laughs> what? What? That's a drone. You gotta take it out. Must have been God's plan. Oh, so how could that be God's plan? Well, it can't be God's plan to leave the lads with Barry, can it? Why do we need a training camp anyway? We're primed. We don't need some tramp up a mountain telling us to set a fuse. What we're going to do is got a blast in history. Echo through the ages. Blow something up. What are we going to blow up, Wadge? Internet. What? Costume. We can, we can disguise the gear in there, and it's perfect. Waiting for the fun run, lads? Yeah, we'll, 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 You're going to die in that gear, lads. It's all for a good cause, though. Yeah. It's not going to go off! No, you, you're confused, bro. I'm not confused, brother. I just took a picture of my face. It's definitely not my confused face. What are you doing? It's in case we're taking pictures. What? Barry says you come out blurry. Four Lions, released in the UK, 7th of May 2010. Directed, as we said, by Chris Morris, who also wrote it. Starring Riz Ahmed, Arsha Ali, Nigel Lindsay... Kayvan Novak, Adil Akhtar, Julia Davis. I recognised a couple of faces in this. Yeah. Uh, we will be talking about the cast in a second. Synopsis. A group of British jihadists push their dreams of terrorist glory to the breaking point. As the wheels fly off and their competing ideologies clash, what emerges is an emotionally engaging and entirely plausible fanatical story of error, terror and rubber dinghy rapids. That's a very good synopsis. I like that. Um, it could potentially have been quite controversial. That was yes. my first impression. I'm thinking, okay, I know the subject matter. I know it's going to be a broad comedy. Knowing a bit about Chris Morris, his sort of satirical edge, his sort of humorous view on life in general and news events and current affairs, I had a rough idea of what I was expecting. I enjoyed it. Now, Good. yeah, it was fun. It was it's laugh out loud funny. Okay, it is. Chris Morris himself has described it as um, a dad's army side of terrorism. Perfect explanation. Um, yeah. Which I think 
it, it can explain it to anybody who, who doesn't know it, um, as long as they know what Dad's Army is, yeah. um, <laughs> then this this fulfills that perfectly, encapsulates it. And I, I hoped that that would um, be something you pick up on that, that, as you say, potentially controversial in yeah. some ways. But I don't think um, there was any backlash from it, though. I don't think it offended anybody. Was there any sort of... No, he was. He was into. I've seen interviews with him about it, and um, he, you know, asked whether he was concerned about getting a fatwa against him and yeah. all these kind of things. And he hasn't really had any anything like this because it's um, it's not picking at the religion. Yes, it's it's picking at the incompetence. And to be fair, as as he kind of as sort of portrays in the film, the actual proper adherence of, of the religion that go down the line of, of you know, having the prayer meetings and following all the, the rules and stuff, they're, those as, as hardliners, as it were, um, they're, they're not the ones that are doing this. These are sort of a, a, um, a splinter group that are misinterpreting things. And so, you know, the hardline Muslims want to not identify with the people in this film that are the, the ones that you're laughing at. Um, so unless they're saying you're making fun of me because I'm an incompetent terrorist, um, <laughs> it's very hard for people to actually, you know, claim offence um, on behalf of people they don't want to identify with in, in a way. So uh, he hasn't had, an, as far as I know, he hasn't had any major um, pushback from this film at any point um, because the, the people who I think some of the people who found it funniest were the the people who closer to the subject matter yeah i can imagine um, that yeah a, a friend of his apparently was in a in a cinema watching a screening of it and um the, he was one of the few sort of non-muslim people in that cinema <laughs> yeah. and there was um he was sat near a bunch of women who who had the full face veils and things on mm. and apparently um a, a number of, of of occasions the face veils were almost out sort of um, horizontally because of the, 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 the amount they were laughing and <laughs> expelling the, the laughter. Um, and and you can understand that, that, you know, it, it has that, that it's funnier to the people who are closest to it. Us, us who are removed from it find it funny in our own way, but those that are closer to it could potentially find it even funnier and that's, you know, well, it's to be born out. I can imagine that when we had the, the chat about East is East as well. You know, for for a family that have been brought up with with that sort of father from that sort of background, knowing that family life, that would have been very familiar um, to people being brought up in the north of England with a father that was born in a different country. And I'm, I'm imagining it was the same as this. And I read somewhere that he showed it to a friend of his or somebody that he knew that had been interned at Guantanamo Bay. Oh, it was uh, Mozambique. It was, it was the shoe bomber. Um, oh, they, got in, right. they got interned in in um, in uh, Guantanamo Bay, and um, apparently um, Riz Ahmed, who, who is Omar, the the lead, sort of one of the lead characters in it, apparently he um, got him to watch it, or, or reached out to him and asked him to watch it, mm. um, or something other, and then got back to him and said, you know, what did you think? Um, and he, you know, he'd said it's it's you know pretty much true to to life <laughs> and is hilariously funny and he also um, said he couldn't see anything within the content yeah. that would offend british muslims or anybody to be honest yeah, yeah. 
So that, so yeah, so that was, um, so yeah, I think Mozambique. It was either Mozambique was either the shoe bomber or, or what was the other one? Richard Reed, I think, was the other guy. Yes. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It was it. You know, it's it's raw. It's it's close to the knuckle as you know everything really Chris Morris does is, um, but not in a way that actually is, is generating heat um, against him. I think he got more more pushback from people wanting to uh, uh, sort of accuse him of being sympathetic to terrorists or, or whatever and, and, and or in some way people who hadn't seen the film saying he was glamorising. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing with the people who push back against Life of Brian but had never seen it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the same kind of thing that he got criticism from that side of the political spectrum. Um, I think that he was, um, it was, it was supporting terrorism when in actual fact, this is not really in support of terrorism at all, this film. Um, cause if this, this is what terrorists uh, are going to use as a template, then, um, <laughs> <laughs> good, good luck to them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, and it's, so it's... I, I, I worry for the future of boots that's, uh, <laughs> as a chemist. I mean, we yeah. could go through all of these, these wild and wacky ideas that they come up with. And it just struck me that although some of the humor is very, very over the top, it is cartoon like some of it, some of the physical comedy, which we'll go through in a second. It's also the darkest of dark satire. And I laughed out loud several times. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it that much. It's a good indication for me, but when I said to you that I hadn't seen it, there's usually a reason why I haven't watched a particular movie yeah. that most people have and most people have enjoyed. And it's, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Chris Morris. Fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah, as, as much as I respect... Things like the day to day and was it Brass Eye that he did? Yeah, it really isn't my sort of humour. It's very clever. I appreciate it, and I, I I do laugh at certain bits. Alan Partridge, you know, if it wasn't for Chris Morris, Alan Partridge wouldn't exist. Yeah, um, and I've been putting it off. I'm just thinking, well, no, I've got other stuff that I think I'm going to enjoy more. But I'm glad I watched it and. When it got into the more sort of slapsticky side of the comedy, of course it picks up some of the surreal things, like training crows to be bombers. You know, there's a yeah. there's a crow yeah. with a little chest bomb on your you know a vest. Yeah, and, and it was things like that. Once once I started seeing that, then it started getting my attention a bit more. Um, I, I realised it wasn't going to be. I thought it was going to be a bit more serious. I thought it was going to be a bit more realistic and a bit more offensive, almost. You know, perhaps that's what I was expecting. Um, I was probably one of those Life of Brian crowds. You know, oh, no, I can't watch that. It's going to be about so-and-so. But no, I'm glad I watched it. And that's all. we've been getting some feedback on Facebook and Twitter about how much people love this movie. Um, and it's understandable. It is a very good... It's It's up there... On that same sort of level as Shaun of the Dead, it's one of those British comedies that come around once every five or ten years that capture the imagination, but also gets a bit of a worldwide audience at the same time. Yeah, it had that creep um, because it, it they didn't really have any sense of it, the distribution worldwide mm. actually sorted at the point of which they were even finishing the film. It was, um, you know, somebody... Um, sympathetic sort of 
took it on board to distribute in the states where it, it sort of got the cult following kind of thing yeah but uh, you, i can understand where you're coming from saying that um you went into it with a, a bit of apprehension about whether there was going to be a bit of a heavier emphasis. <laughs> I on, didn't know what level on, on the, the, on the, the dogma or mm. the, the you know the the teachings or the you know the actual religion itself. Yeah. Whereas, whereas this, as I said, because the people who are the the central characters who although the the actually carrying out a, um, a planning to carry out um, sort of terrorism in the name of of Islam, they're adherence to the religion is is kind of piecemeal and, and shonky um that it that it's 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 a you know it's about the characters it's it's sitcomish really yes um in a way you know it's, it's a sitcom sitcom really with the background of of um planning a, a terrorist act really um and the the characters are uh, in some ways i mean particularly when you've got the likes of of, of Barry, um, <laughs> t- to be honest, um, uh, and and Wash, who are sort of extremes, uh, you know, uh, comedy characters. Yeah. Um, but believable. And, oh yeah. Um, and and that's it's that's where the 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 comedy is centered. It's not it's not comedy about the religion. It's a comedy about just incompetent people <laughs> who have a have a wild dream and, and no capacity to carry it out, but still <laughs> give it a go anyway. And that is dad's army-ish, really. Exactly, but, um, that's you know, perfect. With, with mm. diff- different repercussions um, from that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the wild dream of, of going to a, a, a training camp out in um, Pakistan and um, that not quite working out as planned. Not quite work- um, well. <laughs> explain what happens. I mean... Just quickly going back, if, if anybody's in any doubt as to what level this comedy is pitched at, within the first two or three minutes, they're making a video. Um, but he's holding a toy AK-47 that is literally a quarter of the size of, a, of the real thing. Yeah. So he's holding it in front with of him to get the perspective hands. with his big hands to try and make the gun look bigger. Straight away, you know where you're going with this movie. So that instantly took any element of doubt away from my mind. But going back, as you say now, to, you know, they go to this training camp or a wedding, as they explain, that's where they're going to, why they're going to Pakistan, to this training camp. Just explain what happens, mate, because... Well, they, you know, they, due to uh, incompetency and, and, and bravado, they end up upsetting the, um, the people who are running the training camp and they yeah. obviously just see them as these... English idiots who are, you know, can't be trusted and are going to a liability basically. <laughs> so they get left behind at the t- the camp to just do some cleaning yes. while they they uh, the the proper terrorists go off to <laughs> to meet an emir um, to plan. And um, then there's a drone that is an American drone that is flying around in the sky, and they think they can save their reputations and save their 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 comrades as it were um by shooting this down but yeah. unfortunately they ignore the um big red arrows on the side of the rocket launcher about which way to point it <laughs> and um unfortunately the emir um doesn't face doesn't uh, feather um as well as the um the drone does um <laughs> so but also uh, isn't it revealed at the end who was actually in that camp Allegedly, yeah, the Osama bin Laden was allegedly in in the camp that the rocket did um, fly out. towards instead of the drone. 
But this is ex- exactly right. I mean, you've got the you've got that level of incompetency. You've got the fact that they're you know they're um, blowing up a microwave and that they're you know they're they're going into um, they're going into to hair product at the hair salon wholesalers and um, trying to buy peroxide and pretending to be a woman just by putting their hands over their faces to cover their beards. Is this Fessel, uh, isn't it? Yeah. He's hilarious. And, in yeah, this. and and doing, probably having the, the same level of ability with accents as me um, in that every accent sounds exactly the same. Exactly. Um, and it's, it, it is, you know, this, that the, you know, and the, there's one of the characters having a big thing about swallowing keys and um, sim cards sim cards yeah. and and stuff and it, it, it the, you know the, the paranoia that they're under surveillance all the time with you know and um in actual fact they they're potentially seen as being too useless to actually be kept an eye on but there's no um, focus to what their their plans oh, no. will be you know it's let's blow up the internet yeah. is one suggestion yeah and then there's then there's oh well we'll blow up a mosque yeah. um, but we'll we'll do it in a way that actually makes sure that the blame falls on the enemies of islam so that so they'll rise up the, the moderates rise up and then they do a video um in preparation for it they do a vid- video claiming credit for blowing up the mosque and it's like it. well why aren't you meant to be blaming it on somebody else so yeah. why are you doing a video taking credit and that's that's the kind of joined up thinking that they don't have there is no uh, logic yeah no, and they're competing between themselves as far as leadership of the group and about what they're going to be doing. And um, it, it is incompetence on top of incompetence all the way through. Uh, and just it is a complete series of, of farces which are believable, you know, in a way. Um, there are people you know, that stupid out there. That's yeah, that's... <laughs> you know, particularly when you've got, you know, then wander around with their Yorkshire accents doing all this kind of stuff, which is, you know, I think adds to it, in, in my opinion, that, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're talking about jihad, you know, we're, we're going to have a jihad arcade. And, uh, yeah. you know, and that, that kind of kind of thing is, is quite hilarious, um, that they, they're trying, you know, mix of cultures. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of it's filmed in Sheffield, isn't yeah. it, I believe, is the focus. Yeah, it's, yeah, because, I mean, it shows that the right next to the um, the flyover the the bay one that goes right past meadow hall yes the and, meadow um, halls at the beginning yeah that's right yeah and you know in the background there behind uh meadow hall is um well he's a uh, security guard there isn't he, he, he well it, yeah like, i mean it, yeah it, it's that <laughs> as i said there's a couple of different bits that are filmed in different places mm. you know that, that but um but yeah it, it's it's set in in and around sheffield most of it and yeah. um that is entirely plausible and and this was all devised and written before the seven seven bombers that came yes. from just up the road in leeds it was all you know this was something that predated even yeah. though it wasn't filmed before then um but it just shows that you know there there is an element of truth to to this farce and you've got to wonder how many um how many people out there are doing this kind of thing planning with such level of incompetency that they're more of a danger to themselves and we just don't hear about it, really. Yeah, it's it's the stockpiling of like you say, all the raw products that they're buying the bleach and the and the peroxide and all this stuff to make whatever bombs they're trying to create, and they just haven't got a clue. Um, 
the families are fully aware. This is the bit that surprised me, that Omar's wife and young son are fully aware of what he's up to. Yeah. Um, and there's no sort of backlash from that whatsoever. The bit I didn't understand, I wanted to ask you this. There's a scene because Omar's got sort of a pacifist brother that has nothing to do with this whatsoever. Yeah. There's a scene in Omar's house where he, Omar's brother refuses to enter the the living room because his sister-in-law's in, in the same room? Keeps yeah. Is, is, I, I didn't understand that bit. Is that part of the culture, part of the religion? That you yeah, can't... It's, yeah, it's in an extremist sense, yeah, which is why they reference the fact that, um, you know, he, he he sort of locks his own wife. Yeah, and, this was and, it. He locks her in a small in a, room or something. In a small room, which you, you see later on. on a, 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 it is revealed that they're... I sat there drinking tea in this tiny little room, all these women crammed in shoulder to shoulder. But, um, yeah, and, you know, he's non-violent, um, is this brother, and won't even look at the... And then he does, you know, gets drawn into engaging with the um, Omar's wife and then gets drawn into um, kind of acts of... What they describe as acts of violence with a water pistol. But, which kind of... It, it lampoons um, that rigidness in a way, but also it... it does reveal that somebody is is more pious to the religion than Omar is, yet they're not planning this um, sort of acts of terrorism and things. And it's there's there is that um, that 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 twist to it, that juxtaposition that he's the he actually is the ultra religious one, yet he's not the one um, planning. Yeah. to do the, the, the awful things. But then he, he gets, you know, even he can't avoid being drawn into um, sort of going against his his own ideas of what the religion should be just because he gets taunted into it by, <laughs> um, by Omar's wife. The difficulty I find, you know, to understand um, on a first watch of Omar's wife is the fact that, yes, she is and his son are fully aware of what his plan is mm. and supportive of it yeah. um, because they're that embedded in the, the same ideology and fanaticism in a way. Yet, as I say, it shows that if if he was being such a, 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 zealot, a zealot to the um, teachings, then surely she wouldn't be, you know, interacting with him in the way that she does. She wouldn't be working. She wouldn't be... Um, She'd be locked in a in a separate room in the same way that the, the brother's <laughs> wife is. Yeah. So it shows that the you know it's, it's the cherry picking, um, just how it suits them for for her and for him. It's the cherry picking of the of of the religion to justify what they want it to mean, rather than what it does mean. You know, according to the more faithful scholars. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the difficulty you have is the the scene where he, he sort of basically says goodbye to her without being able to say goodbye to her. Yeah, which I think adds a bit of pathos to it and shows that you know this is almost like uh, it's it's been a bit of a, a fun dream up until that point, and then there's a realization. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, there's there's and, very few serious moments in this film. It is yes. It is pitched at a level, as I said earlier, that's, that's just comedy all the way through. There's no, like you said, pathos or even taking a step back and 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 examining consequences of actions in a serious manner whatsoever in this film. Um, and once you realise that, you're in for a roller coaster ride. Can I just bring up, as as custodian, sir, of the Village Hall of Fame, 
I'm imagining we have no new inductees, and there's probably going to be very few opportunities for any of these guys because they're all yeah. fairly new actors, aren't they? Then? Absolutely, there's not really um, any any. There's not any to actually bring in even a second appearances. Although I imagine we're we're possibly going to get um, a few of them might crop up as uh, a repeated appearance if we do, you know, the Alan Partridge movie or, yeah. or something like that that may crop up again the only one um, I can and, think and obviously of. Uh, benedict cumberbatch will yeah. will crop up at some point in in future films brilliant cameo uh, as we get in brilliant cameo by benedict cumberbatch yeah um playing against type very very tongue-in-cheek it's good to see him doing some proper comedy even though he's he's sort of known as a comedian did you ever listen to that comedy show they did on radio four where he was an aircraft pilot I didn't, but I am. I am aware that he's, you know, from when there was that whole thing going on the other year with um, the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, and he there was lots of celebrities just doing it, and that was mm. that was fine. And he went through a whole. He did a, did one that was like about ten minutes long, <laughs> that had him suffering the ice bucket challenge repeat he did like one and one normal one at the beginning of it yeah. and then it was repeatedly that he was being set up by the by the person who was doing the camera or his girlfriend or whatever it was it was then it, it happened repeatedly after <laughs> then for the next you know and and it's completely within comedy of it and yeah. when you when you see him in the interviews and you know sort of the um, behind the scenes footage from films and stuff He's got personality and humour about yes, him, yeah. um, which thankfully, you know, it, it allowed him to do something like this and um, obviously a massively reduced free if it wasn't for a fact of, of doing it completely free. Um, you know, whereas some of the other people out there, I mean, you, you know, don't seem to, you know, Tom Hillston seems to be like a, a cardboard personality, doesn't seem to have any personality <laughs> whatsoever, you know. But... Um, but yeah, I think this is a great cameo from him, and then you've got a few other people cropping up in there that we recognise as faces, um, like Kevin Eldon as the sniper. Kevin and Eldon whole, and Darren Boyd. Whole discussion yeah. about the the, the bloody um, is a Wookiee bear. Um, oh, it is so funny. I mean, for, for people that haven't seen it, I mean, basically the the main plot that they come up with is they're going to bomb the London Marathon, and to do that, they have to dress up as. Whatever you know, when you see the guys doing the charity fun runs, and they're dressed up, yeah, yeah, and they're dressed up in whatever costumes. So, what do we get? We get a ninja turtle, yeah, an upside down clown, an upside down clown, of course. Oh, which is a running joke throughout. You've got the ostrich, yes, and the honey monster, like they're riding an ostrich in a Bernie Clifton type style, yeah, And and a honey monster. Now, we've got these two snipers. Up on the roof, which are played superbly by Kevin Eldon and Darren Boyd, two familiar faces yeah. to British comedy, and it sort of reminded me. Just thinking now, do you remember the two guards in Holy Grail? Yes, where John Cleese is running to Swamp Castle or whatever it was, you know, and they're just sitting there, like just just totally incompetent guards. And, and these two just reminded me uh, just that incompetence of those two characters because they get orders to shoot the bear. But there is no bear. It's or is it? What do they? Yeah, yeah. they're told it's a bear, uh, which, which is, I think is the honey bear, monster. It's a honey monster. But they end up shooting a, a Wookiee, yeah, shooting a Chewbacca costume. Yeah. So they're arguing amongst themselves. The bear is down. No, no, that's a Wookiee. But in the meantime, the honey monster is still running free. Yeah, and really, yeah. Really well, it's like the, the, the saying in the in the credits. They're saying, "Oh, um, the 
the right man, the police shot the right man, but the wrong man blew up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another uh, thing, you know, because poor old, is it Fessel that blows up in the field? Yeah. Right, is it possibly the funniest scene in the whole movie? They're trying to move all of this bomb-making equipment, aren't they, from the safe house or the yes, shed or wherever it was. you've got to work on your thighs when you're running. Yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to get rid of all this stuff. And it's, it's basically in shopping bags, isn't it? And the, the carriers carry it across yeah. a field of, of sheep. And poor old Fessel, as he goes to climb over this dry stone wall, he trips and literally blows it up into pieces. It's just so funny. But he's, but he's still a martyr because he's taken out part of the food chain. <laughs> I mean, in a in a separate scene afterwards, we don't see the aftermath until like, did you did you, where is he? And they they oh. hold hold up a black sack with all his that body thin parts, with squishy bits in yeah, it. all his body parts in it. But the police eventually find his head. Falls out of a tree. It falls out of a tree, and he said, "I thought you found his head. It was it was his knee. Yeah. Do you know it had a it wasn't his head. It had a joint. It had a yeah. hinge. He said it had a hinge. A hinge. That's it. <laughs> Again." Totally, very Python-esque. Very, you know, the explosions, the conversation that comes after it. Um, there is a lot of explosions in this. A lot of people there blowing is. up. Yeah. Um, and I'm just sort of backtracking here while we were talking about cast. Julia Davis is in this. Yes. Who I recognise. I'm not a big TV watcher, as you know, but I'm aware she's in... Is it things like Gavin and Stacey and there's a couple of other... Um, she, sitcoms she's done, things she's she does. some period drama thing that she did that she wrote herself which was like um, a sort of sitcom taking the piss out of period dramas which yeah. apparently was quite good and she's been in a, a few of the other sort of I think Channel 4 um, sort of ensemble yeah. um, sitcom or, or um, sketch shows familiar um, face to were, TV yeah. and my, I only know her from Love Actually where she's the caterer Oh, right, yeah. That's the only thing. But I've, I've seen her, you know, in passing on other things. She's just hilarious in this. Another simpleton, for want of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> there is nobody with any ounce of intelligence in this entire movie, possibly apart from Omar's wife, is the only one that seems to have any sort of sense of intelligence. I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, Omar's sort of... Uh, or even know, his obviously, kid. Um, he's obviously the... the, the the man with one eye amongst the blind. Yeah. Um, and especially with Wadge, who, um, again, you know, somebody playing um, a simpleton, but doing it, you know, Kay Van Novak, who, who uh, you know, phone jacker and, and various other things, is, you know, he's got a, quite a good uh, pedigree as, as an actor, but, um, See, I you don't know, know obviously, he, he gets persuaded into, as a simpleton, he gets persuaded into the whole. Um, jihad and, and blowing himself up because um, the the analogy of that he gets to the front of the queue to be able to go on on the rides like at Alton Towers going on rubber dinghy rapids um, yeah. it's the same as getting into heaven you, you sort of jump the queue um, and and that's you know why you know me and, and a couple of people I know you know you just turn around randomly and just say rubber dinghy rapids brother and it's it's a point of, of you know humour because the reference Sorry, is there? Has this entered into sort of like social sort of acceptance now? Some of these phrases and things now. Then is it? Well, yeah. Is it, well, I think it's. I think it's a quotable film, definitely. And if people have seen it, like yourself, I mean, if somebody mm. in 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 eighteen months' time, if somebody turns around to you and just says, 
whoopadingy rapids brother I, you will, I, I you will chuckle at least because you'll go <laughs> yeah um and and that kind of you know um oh you know you blowing up a, i'm gonna you know blowing up a crow or you know these kind of things are, uh uh yeah tra- training crows to kill fit pedophiles is is uh you know it's it's just one of these ludicrous things and the reference point is quite specific in a way that <laughs> if, if you know if you know where it's from you'll remember exactly it's 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 say very quotable i mean what is the reasoning behind them wanting to blow up boots the chemist was it just because it had tampons and condoms in it or something <laughs> because they sell tampons and condoms it was that all it was as i say we're going to blow up the internet um i'm just looking i've just flicked onto imdb and you know they have the quotes section here um and it's just reminded me he says you're confused bro i'm not confused i took a picture of my face and it's defo not my confused face that whole sequence where he doesn't even know if he's confused or not yeah but then he does confuse him as well with that whole conversation about his heart and his head yeah which has serious consequences towards the end and there's barry you can't you can't win an argument by being right (laughs) You're on the same page. I'm just looking at all of this. Like. Yeah, it it is. I mean, it's and there's bits, there's bits in there. I mean, one of the quotes that's listed is it's it's um, an off camera thing that that's said by uh, Van Novak, which is yeah, fuck mini baby bell. Yeah, and the, and that was just ad libbed. There's a few bits oh, really? like this that were just yeah. ad libbed by by them, um, you know, and randomly and, and things that were done that they just went right. We're keeping that. Um, because it just worked because they, you know, they ha- inhabited the characters in a way. But um, you've got to wonder about, you know, the people who were around this while it was being filmed, wondering what the f- was going on, to be <laughs> honest. Because um, it's, it's, you know, the way they're doing the scene where they are running down the street, doing having to run smoothly so that they're doing the, the running with their thighs, sort of keeping it smooth <laughs> and stuff. And there's people seeing them doing that down the street with multiple carrier bags. You've got to think, oh. Well, this is the thing. It's It's an element of surrealism to it as well that you're laughing at this situation by all rights we should not be laughing at really <laughs> um because it, it, it's a serious subject as we know and it happened this this was filmed around about the time of the you know the seven seven attacks as you say yeah incredible film um personally i mean as 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 a man that doesn't particularly like the Chris Morris style of comedy and Chris Morris himself, and you know, not a massive fan of that. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and as I say, it was it, it grabbed me within that first 30 seconds to a minute where I realised that, okay, I think I know that I'm going to be okay with this film because it was instantly a little bit wacky. Um, and I knew this film wasn't going to take itself seriously throughout. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And it snowballed. It got progressively more over the top after the first explosion after poor old Fessel blows up anything can go from that point on <laughs> yeah well you realise that you know alright there's a chance that you know because one of the lead characters has not survived this film mm. so then you think well what's that mean for the rest of them are, yeah. are, are any of them going to survive um, and in, you know, if they're not, then in what manner are they going to be leaving this film? <laughs> and when um, it just then opens the door to that, mm. and uh, yeah, this this does snowball and and does become f- farcical, but not not in a way that leaves you thinking 
no, that just wouldn't happen. And it actually is the opposite. You just think that is entirely likely to actually be happening this very moment. Yeah. And some idiots somewhere with some grandiose ideas be more of a risk to themselves than anybody else. And it's not to deny that there are a risk of people out there to do damage to other people because there are, but, um, the the majority of them are so ineffectual that um, it, it's it's just funny to think about where they could be well, could be doing things. Even to the point where the police are just as incompetent as the bombers themselves. When you look at the two snipers and Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, when he's trying to negotiate Benedict Cumberbatch, he, he, they say, "This is your first day, isn't it?" Because <laughs> <He's doing Yeah. laughs> like, does he ask him if he likes girls or so? Do you like girls? Yeah, Do you like girls? <laughs> Because you're you're an ass man, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and the and the police raid, which you know doesn't doesn't play out as you expect it to do of as course. you're watching it. It, yeah. it. it happens differently, and the, and the police raid is 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 bungled as well. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, these are the, as you say, you've got to recognise that this isn't one-sided. That there's um there is bungling, but definitely that um there's a there's a side to um. <laughs> To the terrorists being more of a, a risk to themselves in the main um, when they're like this, um, because they don't they don't have the proper training, they don't have the, the proper support networks. They are just sort of DIY, um, and you know it's, it's it's some of us do happen type <laughs> type terrorism that you just you know. Um, we know you're a fan of this, so. Yeah. I'll let you go first this week with your rating system. Just let let the listener well, know yeah, what I, you think. I think that uh, although um, I think there might be, this is one of the cases where there might actually be a benefit to seeing it in a cinema, not because of the cinematography or anything like the that. The audience, just right. because the the watching it with a group of other people. Yeah. And that, I mean, I've always enjoyed watching this more with at least one other person um, than watching it on my own. Yeah, because you you. You're chuckling at the bits together. Yeah. Um, I mean, me and Smokey watched it together. I know at one point, and that was, you know, the same because then you you spend the next hour just doing what we're doing now, yeah. um, just quoting it and having a laugh. <laughs> um, so it carries on. So I would I would recommend that people go out their way to to search for it and try to um, try to go into it with the right frame of mind. This is not a piece of seriousness in in a sense. It's not dour. It's not heavy on on studying you know the what the teachings of a religion are yeah. and thing this is it's kind of an aside that the actual religious element of, of the motivation for the characters um it's just a a, a, a character study of incompetent people who've got bright <laughs> ideas and no ability to um to, to carry it out um because it is incredibly funny and quotable um and uh, yes i do think everybody should you know should try, give it a go because I think it will, it will catch most people in one sense or another. Do you think it will go down as a classic in British comedy? I do think so. I think yeah. it, it's one, like you say, it's, it's like the Simon Pegg, you know, the with, um, you know, with um, sure Shaun of the Dead it. type thing, whereby it just hit at a right time yeah. and it's, it kind of set a, um, not quite a template, but it just um, picked a zeitgeist. Really, you mean, exactly. um, at the right time, mm. yeah. <clears throat> and um, and so that thing it it, it worked out because I mean it, you know subsequent I mean it's just um, Chris Morris has just released another film last year, um, which 
hasn't got anywhere near the same kind of notice. Yeah. Um, and um, and I don't think you know. I think I find it hard to believe he's going to um, have anything that's going to hit um, in the same way that this yeah, has. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Personally, I'm questioning my rating, and it's based on something you've just said. That sitting here talking to you for the last thirty minutes or so laughing away and we've done that classic thing of just quoting and laughing at the quotes to each other we've done that old monty python thing you know mm. on letterboxd i only gave it three stars now I'm, I'm querying that in my own brain because i think i enjoyed this more than i remember oh, don't, don't listen to your brain listen to your heart <laughs> don't confuse me this is it right exactly <laughs> straight put, away put the come on and let me see if i've got you confused first on that but, um, so you're no, doing it already. I think, see, <laughs> feeling, feeling, you know, thinking about the examination of, of the place it has mm. in sort of the history of cinema and how it, it had that zeitgeist, it defined an era, but also wasn't something that was only funny then. Yeah. Because that would, that would, if it was some, because there are some things that came out um, that were were very funny at the time, but then when you look at them ten years later, you go, "Well, it's not as funny now." Whereas I don't think this uh, actually applies to this, and I do, which is why, although there's no rules to this podcast whatsoever, um, you know, I decided myself that I thought, well, I'll, you know, things that are within the last ten years for me, it's a bit too soon to decide if it is a classic yeah. or not. And I think this has now gone past the ten years point where I'm thinking it can actually be looked at with a bit of distance mm. and it may be that you keep it as a three now and then at some point you watch it again and then that's when it's elevated to a four because you realize it does stand the test that's of a rewatch it. that is um but you know i think it it, it does deserve a, a four um from my perspective obviously because i'm more of a fan because having seen it so many times and it's you know seven or eight viewing it, it's still <laughs> been hilarious well that's um, what happens to me you know, if I watch it two or three times, I'm going to be expecting and anticipating and waiting for the bit where Fessel blows up, the bit with the crow. Yet all of these bits that are probably going to go down as quotable, you know, like you said, people are going to be saying Rubber Dingy Rapids and all and, that. And there are little bits in it that you, there are, just like Simon Pegg things and, and some other films that we've watched, there are some things that on a second watch you go, oh. Either you forgot about it first time around, or you didn't notice it because exactly. it's quite dense. You know, despite that it being built upon a, a farce of characters and these, you know, it, it does have details in there that are quite, in, you know, quite interesting. You know, like the bits of, you know, a sign in the background and things like this that you just go, oh, I didn't <laughs> see that before. So, but also, I think I need to fully appreciate, as you say, watching it, say, with yourself as a fan or an audience. Because I think, as you know, certain movies benefit from not having an audience. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> We've had this conversation yeah. a few mm. times. But there are some movies that you need to watch with a group of people, like-minded people, and just have a laugh. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the three for this watch, and it's not a harsh rating from my point of view. It means I enjoyed it. I, I, as I say, I laughed out loud. I, I found it really funny. I went into it a bit sort of wary being all Chris Morris not a fan sort of thing but I was pleasantly surprised from the outset and it's going to be one of those ones that I will go back to and as you say the rating will probably go up another star star and a half whatever it may be in my brain so or my heart depending so 
Thanks for bringing that. Yeah, thank you for bringing that to us, mate. Let's take a break because we're going to have a little chat about what we're watching next time. Stephen, next time, sir. I think it's about time we continued with our investigation of the influences on on British new wave cinema. We've we've covered two now. Is that right? Never rains on Sunday. Pool yeah. of London. For those that haven't been listening to previous episodes, what we're trying to do, we're trying to get to the the kitchen sink dramas of the late fifties and early sixties that sort of generally considered to be about 10 or so we think there's a few before and a few after that we need to look at we want to look at the influences that created the angry young man series and then some of the stuff that was influenced by it afterwards and for those that have been listening i think i came up with a list of about 96 movies i think that could be lumped in here yeah Uh, we're not doing them all we're not doing them all it's not straight away no but what we're doing is we're sort of cherry picking some of the more influential sort of genres that led up to it. So things like the social problem movies, the police procedurals and and the family dramas that, that led up to room at the top, the L shaped room, Billy liar, all those sort of movies, taste of honey. And then the stuff that came out round about the same time and afterwards, like Alfie going up to, I can't even remember where we're going to stop. There's quite a few we've got to cover. So the third in the season, that we're looking at can be classed as a social problem drama quite fair Mm. to say yeah and who better to direct a social problem movie than friend of the show basil dearden um the the undisputed king of that genre i think we've discovered haven't we absolutely so we're going back to 1958 we're really right on the cusp now of, of room at the top it's almost there it's in touching distance it's Possibly about the fourth or fifth Basil Dearden we've covered. Starring, now look at this cast list, Stanley Baker, David McCallum and Peter Cushing are all in there. We may have a few into the Hall of Fame. They would, but I think this is going to make up for the um, lack of Hall of Fame um, people on Four Lions. Um, this is going yeah. to balance that, that out with the, the people that are in this, definitely. I'll let you into a secret. As curator of Hall of Fame, I've had a little look on your behalf, I think you'll be claiming overtime as curator, mate, because there's a few. Um, and there's a, f- a few one-off appearances. Let me just say Freddie Starr, Freddie Starr. makes an appearance yeah. as, as a Liverpool youth in this. Um, it's a social drama. Stanley Baker plays, of all things, a probation officer, I believe. Uh, gets involved with a family um, in, including the young son that's a teenage teenage delinquency 1958 it was that era you know the teenager was born teenager was born yeah and crea- creating, creating havoc it's that side of you know slice of life drama from the era uh, very important part of what we're trying to examine as I say in the British New Wave movement kitchen sink angry young man stuff I've seen it a long time ago um be a second time watch for me i'm assuming it's first time for you i think it will be the Mm. first time watch for me yeah interesting to see what we come up with and 
as usual with this series that we're doing, there will be a little mini documentary going along with the episode, just yeah. examining between what happened between Pool of London and this. So I'm looking forward to that because it is, it is a genre we both love. We're both enjoying examining the, the precursor side of things, aren't we? Absolutely. And it, as we say, it, you know, not only does it have a place within British cinema history, uh, but also the, there are some incredible um, stories being told and um, performances from people. And some of it is people that we recognise for other things that are just at the start of their careers. And it's very useful and, and intriguing to see them at that early stages. Yeah. yeah. So looking forward to that. Thank you for Four Lions. <laughs> um, I, I may go back to it sooner than I thought. I, I, right. Talking to you today has actually cemented that I did enjoy it more than I thought I did, mate. So that's that's a good indicator. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Thanks for coming along, mate. I'll see you next time. Will do, mate. Take care. See you later. Absolute shah. A positive shah. Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir.